0: Welcome to Fast Asleep. Are you ready to be drawn in to something that will take you away from your day? Let's do this. A Pulitzer Prize winner for drama, one of the nation's most widely read novelists, that was Susan Glaspell. She wrote a one-act play entitled Trifles, it was considered to be a feminist drama, and it was based on a shocking incident that she covered as a reporter for the Des Moines Daily News. In the next two episodes of Fast Asleep, we will bring you the short story that was adapted from that play. It was first published in Every Week magazine in 1917. and. Well, like all good classics, it sure holds up. So come on, tuck in everybody and enjoy A Jury of Her Peers. When Martha Hale opened the storm door and got a cut of that north wind, oh, she ran back for her big woolen scarf as she hurriedly wound that round her head, her eye made a scandalized sweep of her kitchen. It was no ordinary thing that called her away. Why, it was probably further from ordinary than anything that had ever happened in Dixon County. But what her eye took in was that her kitchen, ooh, was in no shape for leaving. Her bread, all ready for mixing, half the flour sifted, and half unsifted. Oh, she hated to see things half done, but she had been at that when the team from town stopped to get Mr. Hale, and then the sheriff came running in to say his wife wished Mrs. Hale would come too, adding with a grin that he guessed she was getting scary and wanted another woman along. So she had dropped everything, right where it was. Martha! Now came her husband's impatient voice. Don't keep folks waiting out here in the cold. She again opened the storm door and this time joined the three men and one woman waiting for her in the big two-seated buggy. After she had the robes tucked around her, she took another look at the woman who sat beside her on the back seat. She had met Mrs. Peters the year before at the county fair, and the thing she remembered about her was that, well, she didn't seem like a sheriff's wife. She was small and thin and didn't have a strong voice. Mrs. Gorman, sheriff's wife before Gorman went out and Peters came in, Had a voice that somehow seemed to be backing up the law with every word. But if Mrs. Peters didn't look like a sheriff's wife, Mr. Peters made up for it in looking like a sheriff. He was, to a dot, the kind of man who could get himself elected sheriff. A heavy man with a big voice, who was particularly genial with the law-abiding, as if to make it plain that he knew the difference between criminals and non-criminals. And right there, it came into Mrs. Hale's mind, with a stab, that this man, who was so pleasant and lively with all of them, was going to the right's now as a sheriff. The country's not very pleasant this time of year, Mrs. Peters at last ventured, as if she felt they ought to be talking as well as the men. Mrs. Hale scarcely finished her reply, for they had gone up a little hill and could see the right place now, and seeing it, did not make her feel like talking. It looked very lonesome, this cold March morning. It had always been a lonesome-looking place. It was down in a hollow, and the poplar trees around it were lonesome-looking trees. The men were looking at it and talking about what had happened. The county attorney was bending to one side of the buggy and kept looking steadily at the place as they drew up to it. I'm glad you came with me, Mrs. Peters said nervously as the two women were about to follow the men in through the kitchen door. Even after she had her foot on the doorstep, her hand on the knob, Martha Hale had a moment of feeling she could not cross that threshold and the reason it seemed she couldn't cross it now was simply because she hadn't crossed it before time and time again it had been in her mind I ought to go over and see Minnie Foster she still thought of her as Minnie Foster though for twenty years she had been Mrs. Wright And then, well, there was always something to do, and Minnie Foster would go from her mind. But now, now she could come. The men went over to the stove. The women stood close together by the door. Young Henderson, the county attorney, turned around and said, come up to the fire, ladies. Mrs. Peters took a step forward And then stopped. "Uh, I'm not cold, she said. And so the two women stood by the door, at first not even so much as looking around the kitchen. The men talked for a minute about, well, what a good thing it was. The sheriff had sent his deputy out that morning to make a fire for them, and then Sheriff Peters stepped back from the stove, unbuttoned his outer coat, and leaned his hands on the kitchen table in a way that seemed to mark the beginning of official business. "'Well now, Mr. Hale,' he said in a sort of semi-official voice, "'before we move things about, you tell Mr. Henderson,' Just what it was you saw when you came here yesterday morning. The county attorney was looking around the kitchen. By the way, he said, has anything been moved? He turned to the sheriff. Are things just as you left them yesterday? Peters looked from cupboard to sink, from that to a small worn rocker a little to one side of the kitchen table. Yeah, just the same. Well, somebody should have been left here yesterday, said the county attorney. Oh, yesterday, returned the sheriff with a little gesture as of yesterday having been more than he could bear to think of. When I had to send Frank to Morris Center for that man who went crazy, oh, Let me tell you, I had my hands full yesterday. I knew, I knew you could get back from Omaha by today, George. And as long as I went over everything here myself, well, Mr. Hale, said the county attorney, in a way of letting what was past and gone go, tell us just what happened when you came here yesterday morning. Mrs. Hale, still leaning against the door, had that sinking feeling of the mother whose child is about to speak a piece. Lewis often wandered along and got things mixed up in a story. She hoped he would tell this straight and plain and not say unnecessary things that would just make things harder for Minnie Foster. He didn't begin at once, and she noticed that he looked queer, as if standing in that kitchen and having to tell what he had seen there yesterday morning made him almost sick. Yes, Mr. Hale, the county attorney reminded. Well, uh, Harry and I, we started to started town with a load of potatoes, Mrs. Hale's husband began. Harry was Mrs. Hale's oldest boy. He wasn't with them now for the very good reason that those potatoes never got to town yesterday and he was taking them this morning. So he hadn't been home when the sheriff stopped to say he wanted Mr. Hale to come over to the right place and tell the county attorney his story there where he could point it all out. With all Mrs. Hale's other emotions came the fear now oh that maybe harry wasn't dressed warm enough they hadn't any of them realized how that north wind did bite yeah well we we come along this road hale was going on with a motion of his hand to the road over which they had just come and as we got inside of the house i says to harry I'm going to see if I can't get John Wright to take a telephone. You see, he explained to Henderson, unless I can get somebody to go in with me, they won't come out this branch road. Except for a price I can't pay. I'd spoke to Wright about it once before, but he put me off, saying folks talk too much anyway. and All he asked was peace and quiet. (laughs) I guess you know about how much he talked himself but i thought maybe if i if i went to the house and talked about it before his wife and said all the women folk like the telephones and uh, that in this lonesome stretch of road it'd be a good thing well i said to harry that that was what i was going to say and i said at the same time that i didn't know as what his wife wanted made much a difference to john oh mrs hale she thought now there he was saying things he didn't need to say mrs hale tried to catch her husband's eye but fortunately the county attorney interrupted with um, let's talk about that a little later mr hale i do want to talk about that but I'm anxious now to get along to just what happened when you got here. When he began this time, it was very deliberately and carefully. Well, I didn't see or hear anything. I knocked at the door, and still, it was all quiet, all quiet inside. I knew they must be up. It was past eight o'clock. So I knocked again, louder, and I thought I heard somebody say come in but I wasn't sure I'm still not sure but I opened the door this door jerking a hand toward the door by which the two women stood and there in that rocker pointing to it sat Mrs. Wright everyone in the kitchen looked at the rocker it came into Mrs. Hale's mind that That rocker didn't look in the least like Minnie Foster. The Minnie Foster of twenty years before. It was a dingy red with wooden rungs up the back and the middle rung was gone and the chair sagged to one side. Oh, how did she look? The county attorney was inquiring. Well said Hale. She looked queer. What do you mean queer? As he asked it, he took out a notebook and pencil. Mrs. Hale did not like the sight of that pencil. She kept her eye fixed on her husband as if to keep him from saying unnecessary things that would go into that notebook and make trouble. Hale did speak guardedly, as if the pencil had affected him, too. Well, as if she didn't know what she was going to do next, and kind of done up. How did she seem to feel about your coming? I don't think she minded one way or other. She didn't pay much attention. I said how you do, Mrs. Wright? It's cold, ain't it? And she said, Is it? And went on pleating at her apron. Well, I was surprised. She didn't come ask me to sit by the stove or, or sit down or nothing, but I just sat there. She just sat there, too, not even looking at me. And so I said, I want to see John. And then she laughed. I mean, I I guess you'd call it a laugh. Well, I thought Harry and the team outside, so I said a a little sharp, can I see John? No, says she, kind of dull like Well, ain't he home, says I. And then she looked at me. Yes, says she, he's home then why can't i see him i asked her i'm out of patience with her now because he's dead says she just as quiet and dull and then she fell to pleating her apron again dead says i well like you do when you can't take it in what you've heard and she she just nodded her head not getting a bit excited but rocking back and forth what where is he says i "I, i'm not knowing what to say and she just pointed upstairs like like this pointing to the room above so i got up with the idea of going up there myself by this time i I didn't know what to do. I walked from there to here. And then I says, why, uh, what did he die of? And then she says, he died of a rope around his neck. And then she just went on pleating at her apron. Hale stopped speaking and stood staring at the rocker as if he were still seeing the woman who had sat there the morning before nobody spoke it was as if everyone were seeing the woman who had sat there the morning before and what did you do then the county attorney at last broke the silence well i went out and i called harry i thought Well, I thought I might need help, so I got Harry in, and we went upstairs. His voice now fell almost to a whisper, and and there he was, lying over there, lying over the, oh, yeah, well, I think I'd rather have you go into that upstairs, the county attorney interrupted, where you can point it all out. Just go on now with the rest of the story. Uh well. My first thought was to get that rope off. It looked uh, he stopped, his face twitching. But uh, Harry, he went up to him and and he said, "No, he's dead, all right, and we better not touch anything." So we went downstairs. She was still sitting that same way has anybody been notified I I asked her no says she unconcerned who who did this Mrs. Wright said my Harry and he said it business-like and she stopped pleating at her apron I don't know says she and you don't know says Harry Weren't you sleeping in the bed with him? Yes, says she, but I was on the inside. Uh, Somebody slipped a rope round his neck and strangled him and you didn't wake up, says Harry. I didn't wake up, she said, after him. Well, we may have looked as if we didn't see how that could be. For after a minute, she said... I sleep sound. Harry was going to ask her more questions, but I said maybe that weren't none of our business. Maybe we ought to let her tell her story first to the coroner or the sheriff. So Harry went fast as he could over to High Road, the river's place, where there's a telephone. And what did she do when she knew you had gone for the coroner? The attorney got his pencil in his hand all ready for writing well she moved from that chair to this one over here hale pointed to a small chair in the corner and she just sat there with her hands held together and looking down and i got a feeling that i ought to have some conversation so i said that i had come to see if john wanted to put in a telephone and and at that well, she started to laugh and then she stopped and and she looked at me scared at the sound of a moving pencil the man who was telling the story looked up Oh, well, i don't know maybe maybe it wasn't scared he hastened i wouldn't like to say it was anyway soon harry got back and then dr lloyd came and you mr peters and so i guess that's all i know that you don't he said that last with relief And moved a little as if relaxing. Everyone moved a little. The county attorney walked toward the stair door. I guess we'll go upstairs first and then out to the barn and around there. He paused and looked around the kitchen. You're convinced there was nothing important here? He asked the sheriff. Nothing that would point to any motive. The sheriff too looked all around, as if to reconvince himself. Huh, nothing here but kitchen things, he said, with a little laugh, for the insignificance of kitchen things. The county attorney was looking at the cupboard, a peculiar, ungainly structure, half closet and half cupboard, the upper part of it being built in the wall and the lower part, just the old-fashioned kitchen cupboard. As if its queerness attracted him, he got a chair and opened the upper part and looked in. After a moment, he drew his hand away, sticky. "Aw, here's a nice mess, he said resentfully. The two women had drawn nearer, and now the sheriff's wife spoke. Oh, her fruit, she said, looking to Mrs. Hale for sympathetic understanding. She turned back to the county attorney and explained. She worried about that when it turned so cold last night. She said the fire would go out and her jars might burst. Mrs. Peters' husband broke into a laugh. (laughs) can you beat the women held for murder? and worrying about her preserves. The young attorney set his lips. I guess before we're through with her, she may have something more serious than preserves to worry about. Oh, well, said Mrs. Hale's husband with good-natured superiority, women, they're used to worrying over trifles. The two women moved a little closer together neither of them spoke. The county attorney seemed suddenly to remember his manners and think of his future. And yet, he said with the gallantry of a young politician, for all their worries, what would we do without the ladies? The women did not speak, did not unbend. He went to the sink and began washing his hands. He turned to wipe them on the roller towel, whirled it for a cleaner place. Ugh, dirty towels. Not much of a housekeeper, would you say, ladies? He kicked his foot against some dirty pans under the sink. There's a great deal of work to be done on a farm, said Mrs. Hale, stiffly. Oh, to be sure, and yet with a little bow to her. I know there are some Dixon County farmhouses that do not have such roller towels. He gave it a pull to expose its full length again. Those towels get dirty awful quick. Men's hands aren't always as clean as they might be. Ah, loyal to your sex, I see. (laughs) He stopped and gave her a keen look but you and Mrs. Wright, now, you were neighbors. I suppose you were friends, too. Martha Hale shook her head. I've seen little enough of her of late years. I have not been in this house. It's uh, more than a year. Oh, and why was that? You didn't like her? I liked her well enough, she replied with spirit. Farmers' wives have their hands full, Mr. Henderson. And then, she looked around the kitchen. Yes, he encouraged. Well, it never seemed a very cheerful place, she said, more to herself than to him. No, he agreed. I don't think anyone would call it cheerful. I shouldn't say she had the home-making instinct. Well i don't know as mr wright had it either she muttered oh oh you mean they didn't get on very well he was quick to ask no i don't mean anything she answered with decision as she turned a little away from him she added but i don't think a place would be any the cheerfuller for john wright's being in it oh. Well, I'd like to talk to you about that a little later, Mrs. Hale, he said. I'm anxious to get the lay of things upstairs now. He moved toward the stair door, followed by the two men. Well, I suppose anything Mrs. Peters does, will be all right, the sheriff inquired. She was to take in some clothes for her, you know, and a, a few little things. Why, we left in such a hurry yesterday. The county attorney looked at the two women they were leaving alone there among the kitchen things. Yes, Mrs. Peters, he said, his glance resting on the woman who was not Mrs. Peters, the big farmer woman who stood behind the sheriff's wife. Of course, Mrs. Peters is one of us, he said, in a manner of entrusting responsibility. And uh, keep your eye out, mrs peters for anything that might be of use no telling why you women might come upon a clue to the motive and well that's the thing we need mr hale rubbed his face after the fashion of a showman getting ready for a pleasantry (laughs) (laughs) but would the women know a clue if they did come upon it he said and having delivered himself of this He followed the others through the stair door. The women stood, motionless and silent, listening to the footsteps, first upon the stairs and then in the room above them. And then, as if releasing herself from something strange, Mrs. Hale began to arrange the dirty pans under the sink, which the county attorney's disdainful push of the foot had deranged. I'd hate to have men coming into my kitchen, she said testily, snooping round and criticizing. Oh, of course, it's, it's no more than their duty, said the sheriff's wife in her manner of timid acquiescence. Yeah, duty's all right, replied Mrs. Hale bluffly, but I guess the deputy sheriff that come out to make the fire might have been the one that got a little of hit uh, a little of this on and she gave the roller towel a pull see oh i wish i thought of that sooner seems mean to talk about her for not having things slicked up when she had to come away in such a hurry she looked around the kitchen certainly it was not slicked up Her eye was held by a bucket of sugar on a lower shelf. The cover was off the wooden bucket and beside it was a paper bag half full. Mrs. Hale moved toward it. Oh, oh, she was putting this in there, she said to herself slowly. She thought of the flour in her kitchen at home, half sifted, half not sifted. She had been interrupted and had left things half done. What had interrupted Minnie Foster? Why had that work been left half done? She made a move as if to finish it. Unfinished things always bothered her. And then well, she glanced around and saw that Mrs. Peters was watching her. And she didn't want Mrs. Peters to get that feeling she had of work begun and then for some reason not finished Well, it's a shame about her fruit she said and walked toward the cupboard that the county attorney had opened and got on the chair murmuring I wonder if it's all gone it was a sorry enough looking sight but oh here's one that's all right she said at last She held it toward the light. Oh, this is cherries, too. She looked again. I declare, I believe that's the only one. (sighs) With a sigh, she got down from the chair and went to the sink and wiped off the bottle. Oh, she'll feel awful bad after all her hard work and the hot weather. Oh, I remember the afternoon I put up my cherries last summer. She set the bottle on the table and, with another sigh, started to sit down in the rocker. But she did not sit down. Something kept her from sitting down in that chair. She straightened, stepped back, and half turned away, stood looking at it, seeing the woman who had sat there pleading at her apron. The thin voice of the sheriff's wife broke in upon her. Well, I must be getting those things from the front room closet. She opened the door into the other room, started in, stepped back. You coming with me, Mrs. Hale? She asked nervously. You... you could help me get them. They were soon back. "'The stark coldness of that shut-up room "'was not a thing to linger in.' "'My!' said Mrs. Peters, "'dropping the things on the table and hurrying to the stove. "'Mrs. Hale stood examining the clothes "'the woman who was being detained in town "'had said she wanted. "'Right was close,' she exclaimed, "'holding up a shabby black skirt.' that bore the marks of much making over. Mm. I think maybe that's why she kept so much to herself. I suppose she felt she couldn't do her part, and then, well, you don't enjoy things when you feel shabby. She used to wear pretty clothes and be lively when she was Minnie Foster, one of the town girls, singing in the choir, Oh, but, well, that was 20 years ago. With a carefulness in which there was something tender, she folded the shabby clothes and piled them at one corner of the table. She looked up at Mrs. Peters, and there was something in the other woman's look that irritated her. She don't care she said to herself. Much difference it makes to her whether Minnie Foster had pretty clothes when she was a girl. And then she looked again and she wasn't so sure. In fact, she hadn't at any time been perfectly sure about Mrs. Peters. She had that shrinking manner and yet her eyes looked as if they could see a long way into things. "'This all you was to take in?' asked Mrs. Hale. "'No,' said the sheriff's wife. "'She said she wanted an apron.' "'Funny thing to want,' she ventured in her nervous little way. "'For, well, there's not much to get you dirty in jail, goodness knows, "'but I suppose just to make her feel more natural.' If you're used to wearing an apron, well, she said they were in the bottom drawer of this cupboard. Oh yes, here they are. Oh, and then her little shawl that always hung on the stair door. She took the small gray shawl from behind the door leading upstairs and stood a minute looking at it. Suddenly, Mrs. Hale took a quick step toward the other woman Mrs. Peters. Yes, Mrs. Hale? Do you think she did it? A frightened look blurred the other thing in Mrs. Peters' eyes. Oh, I don't know, she said in a voice that seemed to shrink away from the subject. Well, I don't think she did it, affirmed Mrs. Hale stoutly, asking for an apron and her little shawl, worrying about her fruit. Well, Mr. Peters says, and footsteps were heard in the room above. She stopped, looked up, and then went on in a lowered voice. Mr. Peters says it looks bad for her. Mr. Henderson is awful sarcastic in a speech, and he's going to make fun of her, saying she didn't wake up? For a moment, Mrs. Hale had no answer, and then, well, I guess John Wright didn't wake up when they were slipping that rope around his neck, she muttered. No, it's strange, breathed Mrs. Peters. "'They think it was such a funny way to kill a man.' "'And then she began to laugh. "'Well, at the sound of the laugh, she abruptly stopped. "'That's just what Mr. Hale said,' said Mrs. Hale "'in a resolutely natural voice. "'There was no gun in the house, but there was. "'There was a gun in the house.' And he says that is what he can't understand. Mr. Henderson said, coming out, that what was needed for the case was a motive, maybe something to show anger or sudden feeling. Well, I don't see any signs of anger around here, said Mrs. Hale. I don't. And she stopped. It was as if her mind tripped on something Her eye was caught by a dish towel in the middle of the kitchen table. Slowly, she moved toward the table. One half of it was wiped clean, the other half messy. Hmm. Her eyes made a slow, almost unwilling turn to the bucket of sugar and the half empty bag beside it Things begun and not finished That's all for part one Don't you dare miss part two (laughs) Good night.